Ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host, Tommy Ashley of the Inside Carolina Podcast, course sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. I wanted to come to you before we actually start the podcast and just let you know that anytime you get five or six guys standing around talking about Carolina football, it's going to get a little crazy. And there's going to be times where I have to edit the show, pause it, stop it, start it, and make corrections to get things right for you, our listener, so that you can enjoy a seamless, coherent podcast from Inside Carolina. I've done that on this one. And what you'll hear next is the Inside Carolina Season Prediction Show, our annual attempt to make sense of Carolina football, our annual attempt to show our knowledge at predicting the unpredictable, and that is the 2019 UNC football season. Enjoy. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. Folks, this is the podcast that everybody wants to hear. I see football season prediction podcasts. Buck Sanders started it on his uh, thread on the message board, on Tar Pit Premium message board. Got a ton of responses. So here at IC, we're going to try to do our thing and predict this season as best we can. Do not know how it'll go, um, but I do know what we will do first. I'm going to Ross Martin. Ross, um, earlier this evening, when we're recording on Thursday night, earlier this evening, it came across the wire that Cade Fortin is transferring from North Carolina, entering the portal. Give us the latest on that situation. Yeah, he is officially in the portal. We've conformed confirm that uh with sources and you know you can you have ways to kind of figure that out so he's transferring uh he'll not take a snap for unc this season and i, mean, I think the big take biggest takeaway from this is unc now has only two scholarship quarterbacks on the roster and they have two walk-on true freshmen um you know non-scholarship quarterbacks so it, it kind of changes your dynamic now knowing the last two years and how injury prone unc's quarterbacks have been um, you know, they're only, you know, two injuries away from having to pick between you know, some walk-ons. But, um, you know, it makes sense. Uh, you know, from my perspective, it makes sense. Fortin, I think he proved that he is very talented. Last year, I thought he was probably one of the better guys before his injury and what he showed against um, NC State and Virginia Tech. And he probably wants to go place and start. I think he's good enough to do that at the Power 5 level. So, good for him. Uh you know, the staff kind of named Sam Howell the, the starter uh, or first-team quarterback, and uh, he wants to play and be a starter. He only has one shot to be a college quarterback, and he's taking it and uh, moving on to another location, and well wishes to him. Greg, I know you've followed the situation closely, and we've talked about it on and off this podcast for basically since Sam Howell committed, really. I mean, it's not a surprise, I don't think, at least. Your thoughts on that, and then – your thoughts on what Ross said? I mean, North Carolina's had some issues staying healthy at the quarterback position. Um, we talked uh, a bit briefly off the air about the possibility of Chas Surratt even being the emergency quarterback. But your thoughts just on the whole overall quarterback situation is just not a surprise. And I, I'm quite sure the staff's not surprised at all. Uh, there's no doubt the staff is not surprised. I mean, just listen to Mac Brown's comments dating back to spring ball. Right. Well, he would say, look, we understand three of these guys are in the same class. It all happens to be the freshman class. Uh, so the likelihood is that once we kind of get a hierarchy, somebody's going to leave. And he's been open about that. Um, and I think when you start thinking about the future in terms of how recruiting shapes up, you probably don't want three guys in one class trying to recruit guys beneath them. That makes it challenging. So it was probably better for the program to only have two in one class, uh, you never want to be in a situation where you're kind of picking and choosing who leaves and those types of things, especially you know, when the competition is legitimately close. But these things kind of have a way of of working themselves out. Um, and it just so happened that the staff felt that Sam Howe was going to be the guy. Um, you know, Jace, Jace Reuter, uh, there's been several people that have told us in recent weeks that, that he's looked really good in practice, that his athleticism really stands out. Uh, and even had a few people after the scrimmage last weekend say that you know, I would be hard-pressed to say that, you know, how do you not start Jace? And then, of course, we find out the next day that the Sam Howell is the guy. Uh, so whether or not those two were the top two, uh, we don't officially know, but we do know as of now they are. 
because as you mentioned, with, with Fortin moving on, uh, you are in a little bit of a dire situation. But that's that's part of the process. And as you mentioned, if you get down to a third string guy, you do have Chaz Surratt there that you can lean on. He's got that experience. Uh, but the fact that you know Nathan Elliott, he was on the team at the start of spring ball. And that was when he decided to, to go ahead and leave. Um, so I think that kind of gives you an indication. If they felt like they really needed a, a large stable at this point in time, they probably could have you know, kept Nathan on. Uh, and if they needed Surratt to have stayed at the quarterback position, they could have done that. So I think they kind of understood what they had. They understood the the balancing act that will be required to get through this year. But if you can stay relatively healthy at that position this season, I think everything else moving forward will be fine. Just as you said, you can't, you can't have any injuries like we've seen the last couple of years, and that's really what they're having to rely on. Definitely. Carolina needs some luck on the injury front, needs some guys to stay healthy, but you got to have some separation in class. You can't have multiple guys in the same class, especially this day and age where transfers are, quite frankly, becoming the norm uh, for folks, and, and don't blame Cade Fortin at all. Go find a place to play, get your opportunity, do whatever you can because you don't have it for very long. It's the nature of football. So that does the Cade Fortin news. Everybody check out Tar Pit Premium Message Board for all that. Of course, you heard from Ross Martin and Greg Barnes. I've also got Buck Sanders, Mike Ingersoll, and Jason Staples on this podcast. And again, you're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast by johnnytshirt.com. It's the annual prediction show. So we kind of talked about it a little bit, and Buck, I'll bring you in so you can sort of explain the rules here a little bit. In years past, we've gone game by game, and it gets a little monotonous with 12 games and uh, tonight six guests. Um, So it could be a little monotonous. So we've kind of decided to maybe toss out a couple games uh, to just get those out of the way early. And, Buck, I want you to explain to our listeners, so when they say, why did you toss those two out? Uh, they'll ask you and not me. So explain what we're trying to do here, but where's the emphasis and what are those two games that we're going to sort of take a pass on because we think they're pretty much set in stone going into the season. A good job passing the buck to me, Tommy. But uh, I think it's pretty obvious that if we were just to say to all of us here uh, that anybody that, that favors North Carolina over Clemson raise their hand, and anybody that favors Mercer over North Carolina, raise your hand. None of us are going to vote that way, so it's a little bit of a moot point that uh, we would uh, consider those games. It's not that Mercer doesn't have a chance. It's not that uh, North Carolina doesn't have a chance against Clemson, but none of us are going to vote that way. Yeah, it's uh, so if you have a beef with that, you can come at me or come at us on the on the tailgate show, or excuse me, on the message board thread, I didn't give anything away there. Um, but Mercer's got to be a win for North Carolina. Clemson's going to be tough. I don't think it's a 99 to 100%. If something happens to Trevor Lawrence, who knows what happens in Keenan Stadium on September 28th. But we're going to toss those out. So Carolina's one and one going into it. And I'm going to start uh, with Mike Ingersoll, since I don't get to talk to you a lot, Mike. Carolina, South Carolina, Labor Day weekend. Uh, give me your takeaway on that ball game, your prediction. Give it to me in a minute or less. Uh, both teams are going to be sloppy. They're going to have relatively limited game plans. It'll be roughly an extension of spring ball from a game planning standpoint. Uh, Carolina will have an advantage. The real Carolina will have an advantage early on uh, just because there's not going to be any film of their personnel running through these schemes. So they're going to have to game plan against Jay Bateman and have to game plan against Phil Longo but those are going to be other people running their plays. So it's going to be a little difficult for South Carolina to prep for for UNC, uh, but that's going to be an advantage only through the first two to maybe three series, and then the game will start to level out. I think ultimately, and I hate to admit this, South Carolina is going to come through with that uh, with that win, probably a looking at a 24 to 14 scenario, maybe a 17 to 17 to 13 scenario. Ross, your take? Yep, I'm going with South Carolina, but I do think it's a game that North Carolina can win. I don't think uh, South Carolina is anything super special, but you know they've been in that system for three, four years now. They have their recruits they want in to run the system. I think that gives them an advantage over a UNC team that's working I don't know, the first time with the staff, first time with these coordinators, and that gives the Gamecocks the advantage. 
in a um, in a Bank of America stadium that I think will be a slightly majority uh, garnet co- covered. So I'm going to go with the Gamecocks, but I think it, it's one of those games. There's going to be a bunch of toss ups in this season. I think that's one of them. But if I have to pick a uh, pick a team, it's going to be South Carolina. Jason, yeah, I, I have to ultimately agree with the other two. Um, I think this is a game that North Carolina certainly can win. They can win, but I think they'd have to play really, really well. I know that South Carolina team got boat raced by uh, the the team just down the street in, uh, in you know a team that isn't a whole lot more more talented roster wise, but a, a different season and and I think. The, the physicality that must that must champ teams bring to the table, I think is is the bigger concern in this game. Uh, that and also having a true freshman facing a a defense that's going to have some tricks in play for him. Uh, South Carolina is is really the 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 more likely team to win the game, but I do think it'll be a physical game. I think it it's a game that North Carolina can win. Uh, I just uh, I I can't I can't pick them coming out the gate in that game. All right, that's three. For South Carolina, none for North Carolina. Greg, you're up. Yeah, I'm not going to be the the guy that kind of breaks rank here. I've, I think South Carolina, uh, under Muschamp, they've gotten better each year. He's got a pretty good talent pool down there. Do I think South Carolina is a great team? No, I do not. Do I think that is a bowl team this year, despite a very tough schedule? Yeah, probably. Uh, you know, Jake Bentley's not a guy that's going to wow you necessarily, but he is, he is effective, and I think having – a veteran uh, at quarterback helps. The fact that Sam Howell will likely be North Carolina starting quarterback, that is a big stage, especially in front of the home crowd uh, for his very first collegiate game. And so when you see that South Carolina is about a touchdown favorite, I think that's pretty accurate. Seven-point favorites typically win 75 77% of the time. And so I've got North Carolina losing their season, season opener uh, to South Carolina, and that – that takes us back, I think, 22 years uh, of consecutive losses to Power 5 teams in that, that first game of the year. All right, Buck, everybody's on the same page, and, and I, I want to think about 1993 when Carolina went and played um, another USC team with Matt Brown at the helm and destroyed them out in California, and that was Southern Cal game when – Everybody still talks about Marcus Wall running over their safety, the safety that was not named Jason Seahorn. It was the other one for Southern Cal. But, Buck, tell me why uh, this game can't be similar to that, I guess, what now, 26 years later. Um, it seems obscene to think it's been that long. But Carolina, South Carolina, and Charlotte, Buck, your thoughts? Well, I don't know that that's a good analog for this particular game because North Carolina wasn't going out there with a uh, brand new change in regime, new head coaches, new assistant coach, new head coach, new assistant coaches, and all the rest that goes with that, new schemes. Uh, There's been some some personnel changes, uh, those kinds of things. So it's it's not the same thing at all. And uh, we were just uh, talking about it a few minutes ago. Was it 1997? Just four years after that game, when North Carolina won their last uh, P5 opener. So I've got to agree with everybody else on this. And uh, just for those that uh, contributed their ballots today, I tabulated them, counted them, uh, counted them up, and only. Uh, 25% of UNC fans um, think that North Carolina is going to prevail in this contest. So at least we have the strength and numbers uh, on this uh, particular uh, game. I'm going with Carolina, North Carolina. I think they're due. <laughs> uh, it, it's been what? Uh, 97 to now it's just boggles the mind and and i believe as greg pointed out uh it was indiana that north carolina beat the last time carolina's beat a p5 opener so you know indiana in football that wasn't that big a deal back then it's not that big a deal now but i'm gonna go with north carolina i'm gonna go uh, 31 to 26 carolina just to be different because somebody's got to do it and I think Miami game depends a lot on the South Carolina game. Buck, I'm going to start with you first since I went with you last on South Carolina. Carolina-Miami in Keenan Stadium 
has the potential to be one of the bigger games in Kenyon Stadium in a good long while. Your thoughts on Carolina coming off the South Carolina game, in, in your opinion, a loss facing the Miami team that there's a lot of history between Mac Brown and Miami as well. But Carolina night game, Keenan Stadium, first home game for Mac Brown. Well, I, I'm thinking that Miami's defense is the biggest concern in this particular game. That's a, a pretty good defense they've got over there. They got a defensive-minded coach in Manny Diaz. Uh, they picked up a good offensive coordinator from Alabama, although he was a quarterback's coach, I believe. But he's he's been a uh, offensive coordinator at other stops, uh, Arkansas and other places. Uh, I just don't feel confident that North Carolina can overcome uh, Miami's talent advantage, but I do think they have a puncher's chance. I mean, they've, they're under the lights in Keenan. Uh, that stadium should be rocking. Um, and, you know, they, they've had some lucks in some night games against Miami in the past. But uh, my, for my money, I'm, I'm going to count this as an L2, uh, as did 40% in the uh, premium message board survey that we did. But I think it's going to take a special effort for North Carolina to come out with a win in that game, and I'm just not sure they'll be up to it in the second game of the season. Interesting. And Buck is referencing his Tar Pit Premium message board thread from uh, Thursday where he talked about this podcast, talked about um, the prediction show, and 140-plus of you guys chimed in with your uh, predictions on the season. So those percentages reflect that. It's interesting, uh, 40% from North Carolina. So it's gone up a little bit from the fan base. Greg, thoughts on Miami? I mean, Carolina's had Miami's uh, number at times, Certainly not last year, but at times they've caught the Hurricanes in Keenan Stadium. Is this another one of those nights? I don't think so. Um, I think it goes to the fact that when you look at Miami, in order for North Carolina to win that game, Miami has to struggle at the quarterback position. Uh, they've had some issues at offensive line. You know, I, I agree with Buck. The defense is going to be stout. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, but you know, Jaron Williams – Curious to see what he does. The fact that he was able to win the, the quarterback job, and a lot of people kind of penciled in Tate Martell. Uh, but Williams was a you know, kind of borderline top 100 recruit coming out two years ago. So it's not like he's some, some nobody. Uh, he's a highly recruited kid and apparently played pretty well. And the fact that you know, a lot of reports this summer were, were that uh, Perry had a good spring and they thought maybe he could be the guy to kind of secure it in training camp. I think that, that kind of gives a little bit more credence to the fact that, that maybe Williams uh, is is a legitimate talent. And if he is, and we'll get to find out very quickly uh, against against Florida this weekend, um, but I think this is going to be too tough for, for North Carolina when you factor in you know uh, an offense again with a young quarterback. I know Sam will already have the South Carolina game under his belt, but going up against that type of defense in a primetime setting, I think that's going to be just a little bit too much, and so I've got Miami winning this game. Ross, mixing up the order a little bit. Ross, Carolina and Miami, if students, fans, fan base, Rams club, everybody's asked for a night game in Keenan. They've got one here. Miami Hurricanes coming to Chapel Hill, 8 o'clock on September 7th. Yeah, I mean, awesome atmosphere, especially now they're going to be selling alcohol in the stadium. Um so it should be a really special game and a good kind of introduction for Mac back back in Keenan Stadium. But I'm not going to take too much of your time. I, I think the athleticism of Miami is going to be too much for UNC, a, a team that's going to be still trying to figure out things with the freshman quarterback. Um, it's going to be a rowdy atmosphere, and sometimes that's you know not good for the home team either. So I will go with Miami, uh, leaving UNC at 0-2 after week two in my record. Mike, is Carolina really going to start the season 0-2 under Mac Brown, and does that change sort of expectations doing it? But the Hurricanes in Carolina, I know you're not a fan of the Hurricanes. Well, it's more likely than not that they'll start 0-2 under Mac, but i got to be honest with you, i got Carolina pegged to win a couple of games this year they shouldn't win and lose a couple they shouldn't lose, and I'm going to go ahead and pick this Miami game as one that they shouldn't win that they will win. And the reason for that is that the most improvement you see from young players, really from any player any season, is between game one and two 
and then you see another smaller jump between game two and three. And then by week three, week four, you kind of are who you're going to be for the rest of the year. But Sam Howell at quarterback, or even Jace Reuter, I mean, I don't, who knows what's going to happen here, but assuming it's Howell, Howell's going to get his bell rung a couple of times in that opener against South Carolina, and he's going to learn a lot of things. And he's going to start applying those things because he's a good athlete and he's a good football player. And he's going to adjust, and he's going to come in against Miami, and he's going to do things against Miami that they didn't see him do on film against South Carolina. It's going to surprise them. Um, Carolina's offensive line is going to be substantially better than I think people are giving it credit for. Um, they're not going to necessarily hold Miami's defensive line back or their or their uh, blitz packages uh, for the entire game, but they will do, I think, a good enough job to create space um, and get Sam time to make those throws which understand his route combinations will be a little simpler this week or uh, sorry, week two, um, just like they will be week one and they will be relatively watered down for the entirety of the season. But um, I think Carolina is going to have an advantage. There's going to be an adrenaline pump. There's going to be an improvement, not just with how, but every player across the board is going to improve between week, weeks one and two. And I think that's going to shine through. You add the, you add the adrenaline rush. It's going to happen um, a, across that locker room, considering it's a night game in Keenan. Um, and there's going to be a lot of hype around the program. There should be a lot of people in that stadium. I think that's going to maybe push them over the edge. So I'll give them. I'll give them this game. Let's call it. Let's call it. A, you know, twenty-four, twenty-one. Carolina win. Jason Staples. Yeah, I. I'm so tempted to pick a win over Miami here because because of the uh, the weaknesses that they've had on the offensive line, uh, and. Really, that's it, teams that are able to run the football well and push Carolina around up front. Those are the ones that I think are going to have the most success. And you know, Car- Carolina has, I think, a, a pretty good back seven coming in into this, and and may be able to give uh, Jaron Williams and you know the young Miami quarterback some trouble. But ultimately, I'm 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 still going to fall back on on Miami's overall defensive talent uh, and. I think actually both Miami and Carolina will be coming off off of losses in that first game. So, uh, you know, it's it's tough to pick Miami in this, and I think this is this is very likely to be one of those games that Mac, if Mac's going to steal one that he, that they shouldn't win, this is one of the ones that I'd have circled as a as a real chance to win it. Uh, but ultimately, I'm gonna I'm gonna default to this being just a little bit more likely to be in a Miami win. So Jason goes to 0-2. Look, guys, I'm going 2-0. <laughs> I don't understand why, but I'm going 2-0. It's just I feel like Carolina's due. Carolina, the Keenan Stadium crowd is back. Uh, you know, it was kind of disappointing to see the open practice and how few people were there. But after they beat South Carolina and Charlotte and they come to Keenan Stadium, September 7th should be on fire in Keenan. Bowls lot's going to be on fire. So if you're near there, you need to get there. Um, good reasons to get there. I think Carolina goes to 2-0 and on the season with a win against Miami. Score 30-21. to A lot of turnovers for Miami. So the next section here, and first, before I go to the next section, let me talk about johnnytshirt.com. I would be remiss if I don't talk about uh, their ability to cater to the North Carolina fans. They've got all the Carolina gear you could want on johnnytshirt.com and Johnny T-shirt on Franklin Street. They've got the real Carolina shirts that you need. If you're going to Charlotte, you need to swing by there and pick you up one. They've got anything and everything North Carolina that you can imagine. Mm. You, you need a keychain, they got it. You need uh, something mm. with a Carolina logo on there, they've got it. Anything you could want. Uh, they'll be there for your for you, and their customer service is awesome. FranklinStreet.com online is Johnny T-shirt and JohnnyT-shirt.com. And if you're a member of this premium message board at Inside Carolina, you get 10% off your orders. Can't beat it. Johnny T-shirt, great sponsor of the Inside Carolina podcast. So, gentlemen, uh, this is the Inside Carolina podcast prediction show. I'm going to sort of combine the next two ball games because I think they're pretty similar at Wake Forest and then home against Appalachian State. I'll go to Mike first since I've had you at the bottom of the list. Mike, your thoughts on uh, at Wake and Appalachian State. Let's sort of group them together, but pick them separately. Give me what you think the Tar Heels will do against the Deacons and the Mountaineers. 
Now that Wake Forest game is a Friday night, is it not? Am I correct about that? Uh, yes, sir. Due, Friday the thirteenth. TV schedule and they wanted to bump it to Friday. Um, Carolina's going to go into Wake and they're going to beat Wake. So they're at this point, they're either going to be one and two or they're going to be two and one. Um, they are going to lose to Appalachian State. That's going to be a game they should win that they're going to lose. App State is a, uh, uh, for for whatever reason, they've, they've been a giant killer and uh, for many, many years, or at least a giant challenger. And Carolina is not one of those giants but they will come pretty amped up to play an ACC school, especially in-state. It's a bragging rights kind of thing. Um, I would give App State the edge in that game. So I'm going to give Carolina the win against Wake, and they're taking an L against App. Uh, Buck Sanders, Wake Forest uh, there in Winston-Salem on Friday night, App State in Chapel Hill on the 21st. Well, I can tell you, and I don't know, uh, Mike might have something to say about this, but as far as uh, going to a game, watching a game on the road, Wake Forest is one of my least favorite places to go. But aside from that, I think not a great North, not a great place to play either, Buck. Yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm going to go. Uh, actually, since I picked North Carolina to lose two in a row, I'm going to pick them to win two in a row. I think they're going to beat Wake Forest and App State. Uh, I think that. Uh, you know, by this point, after two games, they've played two really tough teams uh, that uh, both of them have a uh, talent advantage or when well, USC has a little bit of a talent advantage, Miami has a little bit of talent advantage. And after getting through those two tough games, I think they'll uh, get their footing a little bit, get their sea legs and come back and have good wins uh, on the road at Wake Forest and at home against App State. And our surveyors uh, that answered our uh, poll today on Tarpet Premium both pick uh, pretty overwhelmingly for North Carolina to beat Wake Forest and App State. Hey, Buck, do you know, do you know when the App game was scheduled? This is just me thinking out loud. Uh, not was exactly. It last, was, I th- I was think it last been, year? Maybe right before last year? No, I don't, I don't think it was last year. Um, I think it's been on the schedule for a couple of years now, at least. Okay. All right. Conspiracy theories abound. I was thinking there may have been a connection with old school Mac Brown coming back to Carolina and going to see one of his old schools in app. But no, uh, that's, uh, that, that, but no, no, no. Not February, not, February 20th, 2017 is when it was announced. Oh, yeah, no, no, no connection. 17. Wow, that would have been fun. Okay. Ross, tell me about your thoughts uh, at Wake and App State at home. Yeah, so uh, the order is, yeah, Wake at Wake. Man, Wake's a good team. I think they're, they're, the coach there really builds them well. They're going to have a lot of developed talent at this point. I think at Wake, that's going to be um, a loss for UNC. I think that's a game that Wake Forest has scheduled. I think the fans there are really excited because I think they kind of look at UNC as the older brother, so a chance to beat them. I think they're more ramped up to play UNC than UNC is to play them. And they're a good team. they got a veteran quarterback they named recently as a starter. Um, But I think it's a game that could be close, that it could go either way, but I'm going to pick Wake in that one. Appalachian State, this is a huge game for UNC because they're going to come in, the Mountaineers are going to come in. The rabid fan base are going to obviously circle this game, in-state game, and it's going to be a tough one, but it's a game UNC has to win, I think, to kind of get to that bowl. So I'm going to pick UNC to get their first win uh, versus App in Keyan Stadium um, in the fourth game of the season. Interesting choices there. Greg Barnes uh, at Wake and App State at home. Tommy, let me ask you, why do you think a lot of the North Carolina fan base – thought North Carolina uh, was not getting the credit it deserved in preseason polls both last year and this year? What was the primary reason? Man, you always ask me these hard questions. Because injuries can't beat Wake Forest. Injuries? Is injuries fair? Uh, uh, you can say, yeah. Yeah, I would say injuries, but also five wins in two years. Right. That, that, that doesn't help. Well, point being is Wake Forest last year went seven and six. And they lost 130 games to injury within their two deep. They lost 13 scholarship players to injury. Does that sound familiar? 
Yep. And yet they finished seven and six last year. And they got a quarterback back, and then they named uh, Newman as their starter. He played a lot last year. And so I think a lot of people say, ah, it's Wake, and they're seven and six. They weren't that good last year. Well, they were probably a lot better than uh, what they showed. They just had so many injuries. And Clawson is a heck of a coach. Um, and so looking at these two games, I do think North Carolina splits these two. But I think Mac said that uh, App State's got like 19 returning starters. And I always go back to the Dallas Cowboys back in the mid-90s when Barry Switzer took over and won a championship. What everybody around Dallas say, a well-oiled machine will continue to run for a few years until it, it needs uh, work. And I think even though Satterfield left, that program is in good position. So those are going to be two incredibly difficult games for North Carolina. I do think, as I said, Tar Heels win one of them. So that's that's one and one. And if I've got a pick, I'll say that, that North Carolina loses at Wake and they win at home against App State. Jason, Greg Barnes loves that well-ordered machine will run for a couple of years before it falls off the tracks. Uh, comment we've talked about that a lot but carolina and wake forest these are two in-state games these are one of those things mike brown really talked about um, turning around was that in-state championship or winning the state of north carolina where he's got a chance to get off to the right foot off on the right foot at wake and app state early yeah and what's what one of the things that's just remarkable to me about carolina's schedule is how I mean, obviously, we, there's been a lot of discussion about that that first half of the schedule and how difficult that schedule that 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 part is. But how really the first four games are all losable games and they're all winnable games. Not not all of them are exactly toss ups. I think the South Carolina game is is more favored, you know, to South Carolina and Miami's a little bit more, you know, you tilt it that way. But both the Wake Forest and App State games are pretty close to toss ups. I think coming into in here and i i think ultimately after what'll probably be at least one close loss probably two pretty close losses in those first games in those first two if they don't end up win, uh, pulling one of them i think they're going to be able to bounce back against a greg dorchless uh wake forest and uh and and an app state team where again they're i think they're going to steadily improve uh as as the season goes early on as long as they don't end up sustaining a, a really key injury or two. Uh, and again, that, that matters a lot as we saw the last couple of years, but ultimately I'm going to take them to win against both wake and app uh, and get to two and two. Jason Staples has Carolina two and two Greg Barnes, Ross Martin have Carolina at one and three, Mike one and three buck. You've got them at two and two. I'm going to go, uh, lose at Wake because Carolina and Wake just reminds me of Carolina and Pittsburgh the other way around. And I just think Carolina and App State is going to be just a ridiculous, insane game. I think Carolina somehow pulls it out. I'm going to go Carolina 3-1 and one, um, with a win at App, over App State. I think we all agree we're going to pencil in Carolina losing to Clemson. So that changes everything. Uh Mike Ingersoll tells me he's got Carolina beating Miami. So I'm sorry, Mike. I'll have to review the tape, but I'll give you credit. Two and two, Mike. So Carolina Clemson's a loss, everybody across the board. So I'm going to group Carolina at Georgia Tech and Carolina at Virginia Tech together just to keep it running smoothly. I'll go to Ross first. Ross, Carolina at Georgia Tech, completely new Georgia Tech. They're going to look as different as any team has looked. Uh, probably in the history of the conference from one year to the next. And then after a bye week, Carolina goes to Virginia Tech. Two big ball games uh, for North Carolina starting off the month of October. Yeah, I think the Georgia Tech game, for the reasons you've kind of provided, is a chance for UNC to get a, a, a win down there. Um, they're going to be obviously a completely different offense, probably a, a different type of defense as well. And they've recruited for this triple option. For 10 plus years, it seems, um, under Paul Johnson, new coach now. So that's going to be a transition. It might take a couple of years for them to get back where they need to be. So a win there for UNC in Atlanta. And then I think at Virginia Tech, this is a game, I think it's a, it's a one that UNC can win. But I think it being in Blacksburg gives the Hokies an edge. I don't think Virginia Tech's had a lot of turmoil recently, but they do have some talent. Um, 
a very, very easy home schedule as well. And um, they finished the ACC pretty strong last year. Um, and I think that's right. I mean, I'm thinking about Miami, but anyway, I think UNC loses to Virginia Tech. I made some notes and I misread them there. I think UNC loses to Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. Jason Staples, Carolina at Tech, by week at Tech, Georgia and Virginia. I think they win both games. Mm. So uh, I, I think part of it is, again, Georgia Tech is going to be one of those teams that, like you said, they're, they're going to be trying to figure out who they are, and there's been a bit of a recruiting gap. And part of, part of what Paul Johnson did there was, system-wise, you can make up for some recruiting gaps just by being the oddball that everybody hates preparing for. Well, now they're going to be running stuff that, yeah, they're running a spread option, but it's a spread option like everybody else runs. And, and so now they're actually, if you think about their offense, their offense is going to have to prepare for what Jay Bateman's doing on defense if 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 anything, that's the more difficult thing. So I think Carolina is actually going to have a little bit of a talent edge in that one. Uh, they're going to be really adjusting for a year or two in Atlanta. Now th- they're going to get a lot better because they're starting to recruit well down there. But um, but I think this year is 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 going to go well for Carolina there. And I just don't really. Th- I just think everything is going the wrong direction in in Blacksburg. Uh, they've got and and if I look at their roster, I like. Their wide receiver group, I mean, it's a top five, six wide receiver group. It's really, really good. But I think Carolina's back seven is pretty good. And the teams that worry me are the teams that can pound the football up front. And ultimately, I think that's where Virginia Tech is weaker. I think up front, they're going to be a little bit weaker. They're not going to be able to run the football and, and run it down teams' throats as much as, uh, as, as they would like. And ultimately, I think that plays into Carolina's hands, and I think they win both games. Look, it's interesting to me how um, folks have called that Virginia Tech is falling down the drain, and now Georgia Tech becomes a completely different team. I think everybody that faces Georgia Tech is glad they're not the the three yards in a cloud of dust or the 80-yard touchdown run on the option that they're prone to do. But Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, um, I've put them together. You tell me where you think the Carolina Tar Heels come out against both. Well, uh, it's a really good observations that everybody's made. And as far as uh, preparing for Jay Bateman's defense on offense down there, their defense, uh, they're going to get challenged a little bit because uh, even though they weren't terrible last year, they were not great. And now they're going to have to pay, play about 15, 20 more snaps a game uh, in a different system. I mean, every year, uh, Paul Johnson, you know, just about every year led the ACC in time of possession and fewest number of offensive plays run. I don't know how much people have been looking at that, but uh, it's going to be a strain on the Georgia Tech defense to absorb those new plays that, uh, to this point, they they've haven't had to defend. Uh, they've been on the sideline. So I'm going to pick UNC uh, on the road at Georgia Tech. I hear everything Jason's saying about Virginia Tech, and I kind of think that, you know, there's something going on on in Blacksburg. Like my people used to say, there's something in the water up there. Uh, People transferring, and then Bud Foster, this is his last hurrah. But I kind of feel like in Blacksburg, with it being like Bud Foster's farewell tour, I think it'll be a close game, and it could go the other way, but I'm going to pick, uh, pick Virginia Tech in this one. And uh, you know, to the credit of uh, the survey of UNC fans, they only give North Carolina a 39% chance to win this game. And I have to give those guys credit anyway. They didn't. Uh, they kept it real in their predictions uh, on the survey uh, that we conducted on the Tar Pit Premium. So I got UNC and Virginia Tech, Tommy, just to uh, repeat. So you've got Carolina beating Georgia Tech, losing to Virginia Tech? Yes. Okay, so that puts you at four and three. Uh, Mike Ingersoll at Georgia Tech at Virginia Tech. I'm quite sure Carolina's defensive linemen will be glad not to see 
Georgia Tech's uh, cut blocking. Though I'm sure they'll probably still deal with it. Uh, but Carolina at Georgia Tech at Virginia Tech. Yeah, the problem Carolina's offensive line is going to – or no, the problem that Carolina's defensive line is going to have against Georgia Tech is that Georgia Tech's offensive line has been practicing against a three-man front now for God knows how long. So, you know, Carolina's new front isn't necessarily going to throw them off schematically, um, although their blitz packages may. But I think Carolina gets a win in Atlanta, um, and it'll be a nice little nice little boost for everybody. And then they're gonna they're gonna drop the game and uh, they're gonna drop the game against Virginia Tech. It's, it's just it's just gonna happen. I think they're gonna split them, but I think the win is gonna be against Georgia Tech and the loss is gonna be against Virginia Tech. So I've got them now. Uh, what's my what's my record at now, Tommy? We're sitting here keeping tally on the side. Three and four. Uh, three, three and four. four. This this mess is confusing. I, I didn't think it'd be that. Yeah. Mike, you're three and four. Buck, three and four. Ross, two and five. Greg, you're up. Yeah, I agree with Jason. I'll ride his his coattails a little bit, but I think you know with, with Georgia Tech, uh, you having a brand new staff and everything that goes with that. Considering what Paul Johnson did down there, I think this is just a rebuilding year. I do like Jeff Collins. I think that'll be a a challenge in the years to come. But I think North Carolina wins that one. And then I'm kind of in the same boat with Virginia Tech. You know, when you have the type of transfers that they had in the offseason, uh, Ryan Willis, is he serviceable? Sure. Is he great? Nope. Um, you know, Hazleton, some of those guys at school positions are good. Uh, you know, they did have to play a lot of young guys on defense last year. I think that'll help them some this year, even though they did lose some transfer. Uh, but I'm just not I'm just not sold on uh, Fuente. I, I think Bud Foster is a, a hell of a coach. You know, this will be his final go around. Uh, but I think North Carolina is able to go into Blacksburg and and really kind of starts to find its rhythm uh, up there in the up there in the mountains. And so I've got North Carolina winning both of these games. And I think that takes me to uh, to three and four, Tommy. Nice, Greg Barnes wins over t- Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech. You're right. You're three and four. I'm going to go win at Georgia Tech, loss at Virginia Tech. Uh, you know, I, I think they can beat Virginia Tech, but, he, you know, they stole one from uh, Beamer in his last game, Bud Foster's last game up there. I, I think it might be a different story. So I've got them splitting that two-game series. I'm going to take a short break. We'll come back. back. We'll finish the Inside Carolina Prediction Show um, after these commercial breaks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're back. You're listening to the Inside Carolina Prediction Show. It's been a bit disjointed, but we're getting there. Uh, Duke and Virginia. Well, let's group those Blame two. the moderator, man. Just blame oh, the moderator. Yeah, that moderator guy, he's terrible. Duke and Virginia, they're pretty similar uh, type universities no matter what they try to say. Jason, since you chimed in, I'll start with you first. They're both in Chapel Hill. Uh, depending on the record, it could be more uh, late evening or night games, but Carolina gets Duke, Carolina gets Virginia and Keenan Stadium. What sayeth you on these two ball games? I think they they these are, again, both games that they can either win or lose. Uh, I, th- I think they'll come in on a high after Virginia Tech. Uh, and and be able to beat Duke uh, in in Keenan. Uh, I don't feel as good about the Virginia Virginia game. I think Mendenhall's a heck of a coach, and uh, I think they defensively are going to be pretty good uh, at Virginia this year. And 
uh, bringing back a, a veteran quarterback. That, that's going to be a team that's unlikely to beat itself. Uh, they're going to run the football. They're going to be physical on both on both the offensive and defensive lines. And ultimately, I think that's that's the recipe if you're going to beat this this Carolina team is to is really to bludgeon them. Uh, and I think Virginia is is the is the game that they're more likely to lose there. Uh, I would not be surprised if Duke was one of those that you know they they dropped that they should win. Uh, I, I think that's a, a game between two teams that are going to be pretty close. But uh, but I think by that point, Carolina's quarterbacks will be finding their finding their rhythm a little bit, and and uh, and I think I think I'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger to have them uh, move to five and four at that point in the season. Uh, though I, again, I think they'll probably drop one more somewhere than what I've picked as I'm picking each of these games. I mean, as you win share them, they're more likely to lose at least one of them that I've picked uh, to win at some point uh, along this line. And, and you kind of have to keep that in mind that we're doing a binary pick, but you know, I I'm, I'm only like 51 or 52% confident that they beat Virginia tech. So that, that almost has to be a half, but anyway, we'll, we'll go ahead and call it a, a win against Duke and a loss against Virginia. Interesting take there, man. These analytics are getting to me, Ross. Carolina versus Duke versus Virginia. Uh, the last week in October, first weekend in uh, November, both in Keenan Stadium. This th- At this point in the season, attrition starts playing a role. And I'm not talking about transfer attrition. I'm starting to talk about getting beaten up. But, Ross, your thoughts on these two ball games? Yeah, I, th- I think this is kind of – when UNC can kind of hit their stride after um, some tough losses, maybe a couple of wins, but you feel more comfortable with the offense, with the defense, you've, you've got some uh, reps under your belt now and they get in the flow there. I think they do beat Duke. Um, I don't think Duke is anything special this year. I'm not a Duke football expert, but uh, I know they lost Daniel Jones. I believe it was on this podcast where Buck ripped me for saying Buck Jones was a great quarterback and, he had a great season, was drafted number six overall, and looks like he's <laughs> going to have a future in the NFL. So haven't forgot about that 365 days later. Man's, um, been, hold, man's been holding that. Yeah, I got ripped for 365. For <laughs> and he killed UNC, and then he got drafted number six overall. Um, Boom, roasted. Yeah, and I think I think UVA is a great team. I think a lot of people are, are picking them as a, a sleeper in the Coastal, a team that could win the Coastal. Bryce Perkins at quarterback. Tore apart UNC last season with his feet. Uh, and I think he has a chance to do that this year with a young um, linebacker group. So I think UNC beats Duke and then loses to UVA. Um, yeah, that's it. Hey, Ross, Virginia was picked to win the Coastal. Yeah, sleeper. okay. The yeah, Coastal sleeper. sleeper. <laughs> was that media? Was that a media pick? That was, that was you the guys. media pick. Yep. Every everyone in the coastal's a sleeper now. Let's, it's let's exactly it's like no one thinks about <laughs> Virginia, but <laughs> Buck Sanders, let's go. These are two uh you, you know, if you're an old school Carolina fan, old school Carolina football fan, Duke and Virginia, um, along with that team down the road uh, on I forty East, these are the games that matter really for North Carolina fans. Duke and Virginia, but what saith? Well, I say uh, first, Ross, Virginia was picked to win the Coastal. <laughs> and, and second, Daniel uh, Jones still sucks. <laughs> but aside from that. Uh, back didn't to the, Baker Mayfield say that? <laughs> and and uh, New York Giants fans, too, when they drafted him six. Yeah, he but didn't anyway, say he sucked. He said he's a loser. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I'm picking U, uh, UNC over Duke. Um, I think it's uh, games at home, and uh, I think in particular, Mac Brown gets it that uh, Duke is one of the teams that he needs to beat. Uh, they didn't just lose Jones, they lost some other pieces, uh, you know, off the defense. Giles Harris was kind of the heart and soul of that defense, and he's gone. So, I, everybody is sort of thinking that this is going to be a really rebuilding year for for Duke and they're not a team that's just going to reload. So I, I'm, I'm picking UNC in that game and Virginia. Yeah. Um, another home game, but, um, I believe it's a home game. That's right. Isn't it? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just think that's too solid a team right now. North Carolina would really have to do something, uh, spectacular. I think to upset, uh, 
the media's favorite pick in the uh, Coastal Division. So I'm going with UVA. And um, in those games, uh, the uh, message board people picked exactly the way I just did. Uh, So uh, I'm kind of sticking with, uh, so far I haven't deviated much from anything that the message board has uh, pointed out. Uh, So uh, UNC beats Duke, loses to UVA. Mike Ingersoll, uh, you're three and four at the moment. Uh, they're going to three and six. They're driving both these games. Um, Duke is a game they should win that they're going to lose, and Virginia is a game that they should lose that they're going to lose. And it's going to be a difficult year, but it's uh, you know right there in the middle of the season. They're gonna, I think they're gonna drop three in a row um, between Tech, Virginia Tech. Duke and then UVA. It's going to be a difficult three-game stretch, um, but they're going to they're going to pull they're going to pull it out and 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 finish out the season strong. So let's get this thing let's get this prediction show wrapped up. Oh, he's ready to go. Uh, Mike Ingersoll at gmail.com for those two predictions. Uh, Greg, I think you're up. Duke and Virginia. Yeah, let me just say these these are the games that kind of define this schedule for North Carolina. In that, I mean, they truly are. 50-50 games. And I, one of the interesting dynamics of this schedule, and it will be this way for the years to come too, as long as these coaches stay put, is when you get guys like Cutcliffe and Mendenhall, these are really good coaches. Now, they may not be uh, you know, recruiting dynamos, right, where they can bring in all this five-star, four-star talent, but they coach up guys that play better than what their star rankings are. Uh, Clawson's the same way at Wake. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what Jeff Collins is able to do at, at Georgia Tech. That'll be something to watch. But I, but I do think this is these are games that North Carolina uh, should be fifty fifty in. And so I've got it. Uh, let's say they beat Duke. Let's say they lose to Virginia. I think Perkins is the kind of quarterback that's that's a bit of a game changer, especially at the, the coastal level. Uh, and I think that's why Virginia wins that second game uh, after North Carolina is able to beat Duke. I think I got all you guys. I'm going to go beat Duke. I think Carolina's done being out coached by Cutcliffe and his staff, but lose to Virginia because, like some of you guys have said, I think Virginia's a pretty good football team, and their quarterback is a difference maker. Uh, so I believe that puts me at 5-4. and four. Uh, Bye week for North Carolina is going to be well needed. They're going to Pittsburgh. And let me start with you, Mike Ingersoll. Carolina has owned Pittsburgh during – uh, the last few years, the Larry Fedora era. Does that change with Carolina at Pitt, I believe, if my memory serves, on a Thursday night up in Heinz Field? Yeah, uh, Pitt is a uh, – they're just not a very good football team. So, I mean, Pitt's going to be a win, and um, and that's going to be that. So, Carolina's going to get the four wins here um, after Pittsburgh, as I'm predicting it. Uh, Ross Martin, Carolina at Pitt. Pittsburgh, great city, by the way. If you guys cover the game and you get to get out some of those bars between there and uh, PNC Baseball Park, great place to hang out. But Ross, Carolina at Pitt. Uh, Tar Heels have owned the Panthers of late. Will they own them on November 14th? Didn't didn't Pitt win the Coastal last year? Was that right? Yes, 7-1. Yeah. and one. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah, I think this is a game UNC can win. Uh, I don't. Nothing stands out from Pitt. I don't consider myself a Pitt football expert either. But this is one I think, like I said, things are going to get rolling for this team. I think they're going to improve a lot um, from the first couple games. You know, once you get past that game against Clemson, there's some chances to really get better against Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Georgia, Virginia Tech, Duke, UVA, Pitt. There's chances to really improve and get some momentum. And I think that starts with the, the win over Duke chance at UVA and then I think they beat Pitt at Pitt um yep that's it (laughs) Buck Buck, it's just amazing to me that Carolina beats Pittsburgh in football no matter what at least the last few years your thoughts on this season well it's going to be a little bit of a different Pittsburgh team this year last year they had two really good running backs and a really solid offensive line and they lose both those guys and I, I just don't know. Um, it, it, this is one of those games that I think is a little scary for UNC. Um, but it, like Greg Barnes always tells me, until they beat you, 
how can you pick them? Uh, he used to give me that line about Georgia Tech all the time. So I'm, I'm going to stick with Pitt. I mean, with UNC over Pitt, uh, even though I'm not feeling 100% confident about it. But I, I'm going to let uh, Greg Barnes guide me on this one because uh, he's always given me that advice. Yep, Greg, Buck's asking for it. Tell us. Yeah, Tommy, Pittsburgh went what last year in the Coastal? Seven and one. And who did they lose to? North Carolina. There's Which is, a, it blows my mind. If there was ever a go ACC moment, that was it. Yeah, I'm I'm with Buck. Buck's on the money. Whoever he was listening to was, was spot on. So uh, I've got North Carolina winning this one big. Jason uh, uh, said off the air here, if Pitt would just run the football against Carolina the last few years, they probably win pretty easily, but they refused to do so. And Carolina managed to eke out a few, including the great Trubisky comeback. Uh, but this season, is it any different than it has been the last few? Nope. <laughs> I think this is, I think at this point, these two programs are, you know, the, the, the trend is going to continue at this point in, in the season. Uh, I've got, I've got Carolina beating Pitt. Jason, I just, Carolina over Pitt. I like Carolina's receivers against that quarters look against the personnel put, put Pitt puts out there. It's just, you're going to have a lot of guys running verticals in one-on-one coverage, and I think Carolina's going to win those matchups more often than not. Pretty simple for me. Yep, we talk about it a lot. Every year we preview that football game. We'll do it again that week. Carolina versus the quarters have all, has always worked out pretty well. Mercer game, everybody agrees Carolina cakewalks the Mercer game. The only question there is how many true freshmen – get one of their four games they can play before red shirt. And, and let's get into NC state. And I think going into the NC state game, we got Mike Ingersoll at five and six Buck at six and five Ross at five and six, Greg at six and five, Jason at seven, four and me at seven and four. Mike, I'm going to let you start. Cause I know NC state is your favorite non Carolina team. Carolina goes to Carter Finley to wrap the season your thoughts on how that game shakes out. Uh, perfect world. Mac Brown goes in, he beats uh, NC state at NC state. And it's a nice little cherry on top to an otherwise average season, but a huge turnaround for Mac Brown in the first year of the new Mac Brown era. And it validates the hire. Um, unfortunately, what's really going to happen is that Carolina's going to go into state and they're going to lose. And Carolina's going to miss a bowl game in the last game of the season, and they're going to go five and seven. Ross Martin, Carolina at NC State, a game that we have no clue what's going to happen. So Sad I trombone you. there, Mike Ingersoll, by the way. <laughs> I mean, so, while, it's, isn't the State game every year just a big sad tr- trombone? I mean, it does not seem to be how it feels the last 10 years. Is this, like in Rale- is this in Raleigh? You can thank my, you can thank us for some of that sad trombone too, and I I fully recognize that. <laughs> All right, I will I'll go now. Y'all, you guys done? Um, as Greg, Tommy, and I come back from the Bahamas, this game will be going on, and I have you know I think this game is going to be determined whether UNC goes to a bowl game or not. I think it's going to be the chance for a sixth win, but I think in Raleigh, I think um, NC State's going to be. I don't think they're going to be that great. I think it's a close game all the way through, but they just have more experience in that system. Um, they're with that, with that program now, with that coach, the coaching staff for, what, four or five years now. So I think it is a Wolfpack victory to leave UNC at five and seven in Mac Brown's first year back. Jason Staples, Carolina at NC State. Um, I know your record and your prediction and my predictions don't make it a must win for a bowl game. Um, but everybody else does. But your thoughts on Carolina getting that opportunity to play NC State in maybe the situation where they got to win to go to a bowl, it just makes it that much bigger for Mac Brown, for Carolina, and for NC State, for that matter. Yeah, I mean, in again, in my – at this point, the way I'm seeing it, that's probably not to make a bowl. And it's a good thing because I have them losing to NC State. Uh in all honesty, the main reason I have them losing to NC State is that this is basically another toss-up game, and I had them 
winning a couple of toss-up games earlier in the schedule that ultimately I think they're going to end up losing at least one of those. And so justifiably, I need to have them lose one of them, uh, uh, one, one of these toss-ups, uh, one more of these toss-ups. And I think NC State is as likely to be one of those as, as, as any. Uh, and also, I mean, NC State is going to pound the ball a little bit offensively. And, and again, that's, I think, what you're going to have to do uh, if you're going to be able to pound the ball against the Carolina defense, that's probably the best path to path to success. So uh, I, I end up I, I, on this, I've got them coming out at seven and five. I think, you know, it's just as likely that this is a six and six type season. I would be surprised by basically anything outside of the five and seven to seven and five range. I think that's really where the most likely records are, but uh, I guess I've, I've got them coming out seven and five by the method we're using tonight. Greg, uh, I'll let you go. I'm saving uh, President Sanders for the for the last portion of the show. But Carolina and NC State, it's always a crazy it's always a crazy game. Save for that time, Carolina scored thirty some points in the first quarter. It seemed like against NC State a few years ago. But Carolina and State in Raleigh should be a madhouse on Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, I'm sure it will be, and I think Dave Dorn has done a good job uh, developing talent, uh, taking advantage of of the schedule in recent years. But I think he's he's finally got the program where he wants it. I don't think it's um, the the ceiling for him is a lot shorter than what it is for Mac Brown, obviously. Uh, and so I think this is really a situation where State wins this game, uh, and it's really Dorn's opportunity to go on the recruiting trail and say, "Hey, we beat North Carolina." five of the last six years, we're the program in state. It pisses Mac Brown off. It pisses Dre Bloff, Tommy Thigpen, and North Carolina for the foreseeable future rolls in this game. But I think state does win this one, and that, that puts me at six and six. And uh, kind of, again, I'm, I'm kind of with Jason. I think anywhere from five to seven, seven to five works. I do think Carolina getting to a bowl game is a good year, and I think it sets the table for, for some really good years in the future. Buck Sanders, we've uh, come a long ways to get to this point. You you picking the North Carolina State North Carolina game in Raleigh, it, it should be insanity if it's for a bowl game. It's, it, it won't be for a bowl game for NC State because their out of conference schedule um, is for uh, a high schoolish. But for Carolina, it's going to be a huge moment as Carolina goes over there on November thirtieth. And I, before Buck goes anywhere, I, I, did I hear you call him President Sanders? Yes. I thought he was a colonel. (laughs) He's moved up. Oh. Anybody can be president these days. Congratulations, Buck. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you very much, Jason. You're very kind. Not really. Um, Yeah. I'm uh, not all that confident about this game. It's at Carter Finley um, that – that's sometimes an advantage, although North Carolina has probably uh, played them about as well there as they have in Chapel Hill. Um, but there's something about this game that just rubs me the wrong way. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to go with NC State in this one, um, although that'll probably make a lot of people mad. But I just if if they've played at the games to the point to this point and it's the schedule has played out the way I predicted it, then they won't be playing for a bowl in this game. Uh, and that's, that's what I'm hoping for. If they do have to play for a bowl in this game, that might change the dynamic a little bit, but I'm going with NC state. That puts me at six and six. And now it's all up to you, Tommy, to put the, uh, cherry on the top of this, uh, whatever we've got going on here. <laughs> It's either a, a cherry on a turd or a cherry on a Sunday. I we talked about until they beat them, I can't pick them. This is that game for me. Carolina just for whatever reason needs to get over the hump. I think Matt Brown will get them there eventually, like Greg talked about and like everybody's talked about. But I think this year in Carter Finley, uh, this is NC State Super Bowl. It doesn't matter whether Carolina rolls in one and ten, ten and one. Or I believe I have them at seven and four going into this game. 
I'm going to have to pick NC State until I see otherwise. I think otherwise happens in 2020 and beyond. Did um, we really just all pick NC State to win this game? Yeah, yes, we did. Which it is is wow. And we've, we've had Mojo. some remarkably consistent uh, picks. Everybody picked uh, Virginia to win. Everybody picked UNC to beat Pitt. Um, so there's been some consistency there. There's been just a little deviation here and there. Just hope it's not like what I yell at the umpires at baseball games. At least he's consistent, consistently <laughs> bad. Guys, it's been fun. Ross, it's been fun to have you, Buck, Jason, and Greg. I know we've had a long talk. We've kind of just been sitting around the coffee table or the bar table talking about Carolina football predicting the season. Always, guys, it's been pretty fun. I appreciate it. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks, Tommy. It's fun. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Thanks yeah, to thanks, all you guys. Enjoyed it. Host Tommy Ashley back with you. To close, we had a chance to sort of banner around with the other Inside Carolina staff members, and I wanted to give you their take on Carolina's season. Sherelle McMillan had Carolina at 7-5 and five with losses to State, Pitt, Virginia Tech, Clemson, and South Carolina. John Siegley, my co-host on this show sometimes, had Carolina at 6-6, six and six, losing to State, Miami, South Carolina, Clemson, Virginia and Pittsburgh. Rob Harrington, 6-6 six and six with wins against South Carolina, App, Georgia Tech, Duke, Mercer, and NC State. And Taylor Vipolis, a guy I wanted to get on the show with us, couldn't join because he's a long ways away in a place much nicer than this. Had Carolina beating Wake, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, Duke, Mercer, and Pitt to go 6-6 six and six and get to that bowl game. The all-important bowl game that Carolina fans believe will get Mac Brown on a roll heading into 2020. Thanks for listening to the Inside Carolina podcast sponsored by johnnytshirt.com. You know we'll be back in full effect. It's game week next week. We'll have everyone from Jason to Buck, Greg Ross, John, and the rest of the Inside Carolina crew as Carolina leads up to the South Carolina game Labor Day weekend in Charlotte. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by johnnytshirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.